Good morning, 360 family. Thank you once again for joining us online. Uh, always great to worship uh, in our own uh, living rooms, but man, do we miss being together. I think God has physically made us to be together. I know that, and so uh, to miss uh, uh, seeing each other in person, man, we're, we're really looking forward to that day when we can do that. But in the meantime, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, always good to worship together and to pray together and, and to hear from the Word of God together. We're in a conversation uh, about picture-in-picture. Picture. Uh, many of you probably remember back in the day there was this technology that you have a little picture and a big picture. We're, we're using that uh, analogy to look at our own lives. And today, this, this picture could be uh, no more vivid. In fact, this is a, a topic that I believe is necessary for us as believers to hear on a repeated basis. I preach on this topic at least once or maybe twice or maybe even more than that every year, and it's so critically, critically important because the small picture represents the life that we're living, our everyday life, our family life, our work life, our neighborhood life, our fun life, all that. But this big picture is the, the, the one that really counts. It's the one that is purposeful and meaningful. Today, I'm going to start with a very, on a very, very personal uh, note, a, a deeply personal note. When I first moved to Florida, now 25 years ago, I was living on the East Coast, and I, I met a man, I brought a picture with me today, uh, his name is Harry Burney. Uh, Harry Burney, uh, you can see his picture uh, there on the screen, uh, Harry is a uh, uh, just a dear, dear, long-term friend of ours, probably in our top uh, five friends in the world. He is a, an amazing performer. Uh, he has sung on Broadway uh, for many years, uh, did, worked with Disney and was, in fact, an advisor for the Animal Kingdom and the Harambe Village, worked with Nickelodeon, and, and Harry and I uh, performed together for many years. Some of you know that I was a musician, uh, in, in a previous life. And so Harry and I performed. We performed in uh, Atlanta and New York City. We performed in front of uh, important people like uh, the ambassador to the United Nations, the secretary of housing of the United States, uh, and, and uh, Millard Fuller. And he, he, Harry was iconic. Well, this past week, we discovered and we found out, uh, we were told that Harry lost his life uh, to the coronavirus. And so, uh, of course, our hearts were, have been heavy. Uh, but the reason I bring that up, probably in a, in a personal way to honor my friend, uh, but, but this, this sobering uh, effect that this has on everyone's life, when you lose someone this close, the sobering effect is not always a bad thing. And so it has caused my wife and I to go back, and we just spent uh, a couple of hours going through photographs uh, all the way back 25 years ago in our times with Harry and, and different cities with different people and important people and, and church events and, and whatnot. And as I scanned those, those pictures, I was reminded today that this small picture of our life, it doesn't go on for very long. This, this picture is it's kind of like a, a football game. There's a clock, and that clock is counting down. And that clock only has so many minutes, as your life does. 
And God knows exactly how many minutes, how many seconds, how many heartbeats, and how many breaths you will take. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And, those, and then a football team will then go into the locker room or they'll go into their game, their, their meeting room on, on the, coming, the week after the game, and they'll look at post-game tapes. But see, the game's already played. There's no chance to replay the game again when you're watching the tape. You've got that amount of time. And as I was thinking of my, my friend Harry and, and, and the sobering uh, news that came to us, I was reminded again of the importance of what we're going to talk about this morning. And what we're going to talk about this morning is what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. I'm not going to assume that all of you know what, what in the world we're, we're, going to, we're talking about when I say the Bema Seat of Christ. See, let me explain to you in, in the shortest and most simplest way I know how. Everyone is evaluated in life. If you work, you're evaluated. If you're, a, if you're an athlete, you're evaluated. If you're a musician, you're evaluated. A doctor, you're evaluated. We're all evaluated in life. Jesus, when he was on the planet, gave us a number of stories that says you're being evaluated. In other words, what you do in this small circle matters in eternity. In fact, I'm going to share a couple of times today from an amazing book. If, you've, if you want a book to read during the lockdown, here's one for you. It's by a guy named Erwin Lutzer. Uh, Erwin Lutzer is, was the pastor for many years at Moody Church in Chicago, and he wrote this book called Your Eternal Reward. It literally is one of the best, if not the best, books on this topic. Here's what Erwin Lutzer writes. He said, your life here... In the small picture, your life here will impact your life there in heaven forever. If the knowledge that we will give an account to Christ for the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad, 2 Corinthians 5.10, does not motivate us to faithful living, it is quite possible that nothing else will. So let me explain the Bema seat. The Bema seat, the word Bema, is a, a Greek word. The, most of the New Testament is wor, uh, written in Greek. And everybody back in that day, in that culture, when the Bible was written, they understood stood exactly what the Bema seat was because the Bema seat was the, uh, the judgment seat. It's a word for judgment or assessment. Sometimes we think of judgment as a negative thing, but an assessment. And they had these games much like the Olympian games, and the, these were called the Isthmian games. And just like the Olympian game, Olympics where you have uh, bronze and, and, and silver and gold, the, and, and those were ju judged by a set of judges, the same thing was happening in, at the, in the Isthmian games. And there was this beam of seat where the judge would sit and assess how the race was run. You see, our life in the small picture is like a race that's being run, and God is evaluating it. Now, when we come to the, the Bema seat, I, I always make sure I say this, and probably this morning I will say it more than once. When we stand before the Bema seat of Christ, it is not, I want to repeat, it is not to determine our future in, in eternity. It is not de determining at that moment our destination, whether we're going to heaven or whether we're going to hell. That is another location, that is another place where those who have not yet to believe in Christ, when they, when they have not believed in Christ, when Christ, they were presented the gospel, they will stand before the great white throne 
a, a judgment seat of God. This is not that, okay? This is only for those who have put their faith in Christ. You're saying, wait a minute, are, as Christ followers, we will stand before, before Jesus. Yes, we will. But again, not to determine our future eternity, our future destination, heaven or hell. Every Christ follower will appear before Christ at this judgment, assessment, bema seat, and we will be assessed uh, as to how we lived our life, how we ran the race. Again, let me say this. This is not about our sins because our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. They are covered by the blood today. They were covered by the blood yesterday. They were covered by the blood tomorrow. The, the Bema seat is to determine what we did in the big picture, the purposes for God, the things were, that were important to him. So you can see how critically important this is. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible says this, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, keep in mind that the writer of this, Paul, is writing to Christians. So you could say, we must all Christians appear before the judgment or the bema seat. If you were to look in the original language, the, the word bema would be there instead of judgment. Before the bema assessment judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things when done in the game clock, while in the body, whether good or bad. Here's another verse in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Jesus says at the very end of the Bible, behold, I am coming. You can count on it. And my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he or she has done in the small picture. I'm a very driven person. People, people around me, they're close to me, they know I'm driven. I will say to you, without a doubt, this is the driving thing that, that is the fuel in my life, knowing that I am going to stand before Christ. So I want you to be very clear. Christ cannot wait to reward us for being partners in his kingdom work. I'm going to say that again. Christ cannot wait to reward us as being partners and the work we've done as partners in the kingdom race. This is not an opportunity that, that Jesus waits every day to slap our wrist. He can't wait to give us gold or to give us silver, to give us bronze. He's, he's championing us right now. In other words, he is wanting us to be in the kingdom process, the kingdom movement while we're here on earth but there are other things that we are going to do in heaven and not just sit on a cloud and play a harp. That's silliness. The Bible says very clearly that things will, that, uh, here that happen on earth and, and how we uh, are accomplishing what he wants or not will make a difference. This is why he says, while in the body and according to what we've done. But watch this. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. There's something else to be accented. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ as Christ followers. Each one may receive what is due to him or her for the things while done in the body. Watch this. Whether good or bad. Now, wait a minute. You said, you might say, hey, Steve, I thought you said that we were not going to come there and talk about our sin. It's not. You see, the sin is all erased. It's good or bad according to the purposes of God. 
When we show up and stand before Christ, you'll be shocked at how pure you are because God is looking through the lenses of the blood of Jesus. You see, maybe you're looking on today and you have never made a commitment to Christ. And you know within yourself, you look in your mirror, you look in your inner self, you know without a doubt you're not perfect. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, your neighbor's not perfect, the president's not perfect, the governor's not perfect, your third grade teacher's not perfect, none of us are perfect. And we're going to stand before God, and the problem is that God is perfect. And the Bible clearly tells us that imperfection cannot come into the presence of God. Then there's a dilemma, and this is why Jesus came, not just for some religious ritual, but he came to sacrifice himself. And he came to sacrifice himself so that our sins would be absorbed on him and were covered. And when we stand before God, it's as if we've had no sin, not because we came to church, not because we prayed enough, not because we did any ritual or religion and we got it good enough. Otherwise, every day of your life, you're thinking, good grief, I've got to, I've got to hit the mark. And what is even the mark? No, we stand before God. And God will say to us, I am looking at you as perfectly holy because the, the lenses that I'm wearing the blood and the sacrifice of Christ that I'm seeing you as holy. Isn't that amazing? Even if you're a Christ follower, it's good to be reminded of that. So when Paul says, hey, we're going to stand before the beam of seat of Christ and be assessed at whether they're bad or good, or whether the things that we've done in the body, whether they're bad or good, it's not our sin. It's whether we were on point. Were we purposeful? Were we wasting our time? Were we all, listen, about ourselves? You see, I find as a Christ follower, and let me speak to you for a second, that, hey, I got sin, you got sin, we all got sin. But when it comes to the purposes of God, it's not only that sin gets in the way, but it's good things that get in the way. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that over and over, that it's, it's often that God will say to us, don't be consumed with non-kingdom things in your life. Don't be consumed with them, because when you get to heaven... And we stand in front of Christ, there may be some of you that think it's just going to be even Stephen. And the fascinating thing here is that, uh, that God is trying to motivate us. You remember Paul says, I press on to get the prize. I, I'm, I, man, I'm, I am like leaning in to get the prize. Why? He wanted to stand before Jesus and hear these words that we, we should all be living for. When Christ looks us in the eye, it will be at the Bema seat that we hope to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So there's some things that I want to show you, some things that will prove to us from the Bible that things are not all the same in heaven as we might think. Now, we're all covered by the blood if we've accepted the gift that God has given to us. There's no greater sin, no lower sin in God's mind as far as our salvation. That's all that is all even. Salvation is even. It is equal to all men and women on this planet. But what happens in heaven is not. Watch this. We're going to go to James chapter 3 and verse 1. There are different levels of being assessed. This one is a little scary for me, if I were honest. In James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged. 
at that bema seat, we will be judged, listen to this word, more strictly, more strictly. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, for every, from everyone who has been given much, this could be easily applied to every American Christian, to everyone who has been much, given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, watch this, much, there's the word, more will be asked. So you might be asking, okay, so when I, I come before Christ, are you saying I'm going to be assessed differently? You are. This is exactly what the Bible says. I'm going to be assessed differently. I'm a teacher of the Word of God, and God says clearly that I'm going to be judged more strictly. That's why I'm quitting right after this sermon. I'm just kidding. Uh, there's this sense of, in, of weight, a weight of responsibility, a weight of like, okay, now you know this, okay? So when I said, uh, made the remark about American Christians, you might think, okay, that's maybe because we're wealthier than many countries in the world. Part of that is true, by the way. Part of that is true. As you know, many of you, I've traveled to many, many places in the world, and the sacrifice and the generosity I see there sometimes makes me embarrassed as, as to, compared to what I see here. And so when you look at the, uh, our, uh, uh, the nature of what God has given to us and the blessings that we have, would God say, man, I expect you to give more? Yes, he does. But I want you to think about this for a second. Think of the information, the great preaching, the great teaching we have at our fingertips. And we have so much uh, capacity to study the Bible, to know the Bible. We, uh, here's another thing. We've got freedom in this country. If I want to go downtown and serve somebody, if I want to go and uh, uh, preach the gospel, share the gospel, I can do that. There are some countries that don't have that. So God is going to say, man, you had full liberty. You had full uh, resources. You had full uh, 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 resources and, and gifts that you could share. And so... When God says, hey, I'm going to assess you differently, it might cause us to think, to count our blessings and say, you know what? I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to stand at that bema seat. And he is going to say, man, you had a lot. What did you do with it? And this is not, you know, you could take a message like this, by the way, and say, man, this is, this is heavy. Well, it is sobering, like I started this message. But Paul continually, you'd be surprised if you look through these lenses, continually urged people. He was a champion for fellow Christians. This is what I'm doing today with you. It's sobering, and yet I'm your champion and allowing the Word of God to urge you and to encourage you with the reality. You see, for me, what's not, what's not uh, honest and what's not loving is if we're not transparent, if preachers are not transparent with the word of God saying, there is a day that the game tape will be viewed. So let's learn from that and assess ourselves accordingly. Here's the other thing. Here's another thing. Not only are we, some people are going to be assessed differently, but there are going to be different outcomes. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. That means there are different levels. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That means that 
there is a, there is a, there's a least and there's a great. In other words, there are differing levels. You think, well, wait a minute, I thought it was even Steve. It is when it comes to our sin and the forgiveness that God has, but when it comes to what we might be doing, there's different distribution. Watch this. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, Jesus is telling a story, and he's, he's being our champion. He's saying the, the game tape is going to be viewed. And so if the tape is going to be viewed, let me tell you what that's going to be like. And it's going to be exciting. It's not going to be something like, uh, you know, oh, goodness, this is going to be awful. No, it's going to be exciting when Christ says, man, I can't wait to give you the rewards. Watch this. Luke chapter 19 and verse 16. He's telling a story about the, the, uh, uh, some people that he had ga- a manager had given money to. Many of you know this story. The, the, the coin is called, a, the, the currency is called a mina, and he's given these coins back, uh, and they're, they're bringing them back. He's given them to them to invest. The first person that received this investment in verse 16 came back at a Bema seat scenario and said, Sir, I've taken what you've given me. There it is again and I've earned 10 more. And there are the words, well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a small matter. It's not to do with sin or anything. It's what you did with what you had because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Watch this. Take care, take charge of 10 cities. A second one came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more because he had five to begin with. Notice that one had 10, one had five, different distribution. The second came in and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. And his answer says, why don't you take charge of five cities? Okay, let's hold up because this is where it gets exciting. In the book of Isaiah, we're told that of Christ's government, there is no end. Christ what? Christ's government. He's called the king of kings. In other words, there is going to be structure in heaven. Now, I know those of you that just thought, hey, I'm going to lay back, take it easy, play a harp and all that jazz. I, that may like kind of rub you the wrong way. But there is going to be structure in heaven. Apparently, there are going to be places to govern because his government does not end. There's going to be cities. And some people are going to have more cities. And some people are going to have less cities. And there are going to be some, guess what? They don't get a city. Now, are they still in heaven? Yeah, they're in heaven. It's not to do with eternal destination. They're in heaven, but you see how Jesus himself is being the champion here of saying, hey, take what you've been given. And you may say, I don't have a lot. Take whatever God has given to you because to him it's a lot and use it for the big picture and don't utilize it only for your small picture use. You start to see the picture here? Use it for the big picture because when you stand in front of me, I'm going to say, man, way to go, Jesus is going to say. Way to go. I want you to be in charge of those 10 cities. Can you imagine that? What if God said, I'm just using earthly language. Hey, why don't you be in charge of Chicago, San Francisco, New York City? Man, that would be amazing. It depends on what you did with what he gave to you. But watch this. One person didn't bring any back. Luke chapter 19, verse 24. Watch this. Then he said to those who standing by, because he didn't, this guy said, well, I, I didn't bring anything. I didn't do anything with what you gave me. And the master says, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, 
this guy's already got 10. And he replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who comes up to the Bema seat and has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. Now let me speak directly to you and seriously to you. And please understand what I'm about to say. I'm going to say it again. This is not a place to determine our eternal destination. And you can read in the Bible where there is no more death, there's no more tears, there's no more pain. But that reference is to eternity forever. And when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ, there will be some sadness. If I came over to your house and took your car right now, would you be happy about it? If I came over and took your house, the thing, whatever thing is important to you, would you be happy about it? Do you think this guy in the story was happy about it? Then once we get past this, everything will be distributed, not evenly, it will be differently. But wouldn't you like to stand before Christ? And at that moment then, even if everything's been taken away, because the Bible says, look, there, there, there are going to be some things we show up with and they're going to be burned up. We're going to be saved. The Bible is very clear. We're going to be saved, but it's going to be burned up and there will be a sense of loss. Now, we're going to spend eternity and happiness and joy just because we're in the presence of Christ. But again, Christ has a purpose for you on earth. Christ, because Christ has a purpose for you in heaven. This is just training ground. This is just a practice. This is a warm-up. This is, this is why God's saying, this is the real thing. This is not even real. This is like a shadow, a mist. This big picture, that's the real thing. So why not spend your life uh, uh, focused and on, on mission, on purpose for this big picture? Let me read another passage from Erwin Lutzer's Your Eternal Reward. So, so absolutely true. I, I love writers and preachers that are that love people enough that they're honest. Listen to these words by Ir Pastor Erwin Lutzer, your eternal reward. He says, we're not well served by a theology that does not recognize the possibility of serious moral and doctrinal defection on the part of believers. In other words, we can get off the path. We've learned that Paul himself beat his body lest he be disqualified. He lived with the healthy fear that he could end in disgrace and failure. The fact that we are secure in Christ, which we are, does not mean that we are incapable of serious failure, and with it, the loss of rewards. See, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I mean, just think about that. This is the Apostle Paul saying, man, I'm pouring it completely all out full throttle because I don't want to be disqualified. You mean the, the Apostle Paul would be disqualified? Not disqualified from heaven, but being disqualified for what God had intended for him in the big picture of eternity. May I point out, by the way, that your life here on earth may be 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, 110 years, 30 years, who knows? But eternity is so exponentially more than we can imagine. Can't you see why Jesus and Paul and John were, were the champions? 
can't you see why Jesus was saying, let me tell you another story. Let me tell you another story about the seeds and the, and the parable of the seeds and the soil. Let me tell you that because, it, you know, it's, it's going to play out. Let me tell you the story about the talents. And some of you know that. Some, let me tell you the story about the minds. Why? Because I so want you to be governing with me and ruling with me and, and leading with me and on purpose with me, not only in this, uh, this plan and this small picture, but in the bigger picture. It is really, really stunning. There's not only different distributions, there's different dividends. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus must have been talking to them about this topic, and, and Peter comes along and says, hey, how about us, man? We gave everything up. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Peter answered him and said, we have left everything, Jesus, to follow you. What's going to be in it for us? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of, of Israel, speaking to his disciples. And then he broadens the message and says, and everyone who's left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and they will as they inherit eternal life. You see, Jesus is looking at us and saying, whatever you're giving up is going to be exponentially multiplied. Do you think it's worth giving up? Of course. And, and we don't even have any idea what that is in its full, in its full uh, uh, picture. When we get there, I promise you, we'll look back and say, oh, man, was that worth giving up for. The things that we hold on to, the things I hold on to, the things you hold on to on this planet, oh, man, we're going to look back and we're going to say, man, why in the world was I not willing to give that up? Time, my, my finances, my resources, my thoughts, my, my schedule, my compassion, whatever those things are to be on mission with God. Finally, it gives us a different worldview, doesn't it? This should change our... It should change the way we look at life. It, it does mine. It, it changes the way I look at life. It changes what I do. It changed my career. It changed my ambition. And, and do I get it right all the time? Of course not, and neither do you. But when you begin to look at life as, as, as picture in picture, that this small picture is just very, very short, it does give you a, a different worldview. The famous preacher... Charles Spurgeon, he had a mantra. I want to put this up on the screen. We're very familiar with the, these two words, carpe diem. Carpe diem means seize the day, but Charles Spurgeon had a different phrase. It was not just, it was not carpe diem, it was this phrase, corum deo. Corum deo means living before the face of God. Everything that we do, Every purpose that we have, every ambition that we have, it is in the face of God. It is not hidden by God. This is the God who will stand, that we'll stand before, who will love us, who is our champion, who says, man, I want you to, to, to serve with me. I want you to, to be on point, on mission. I, I want you to be purposeful, meaningful in your life, not just because it makes your life better. Quite frankly, there, there's sometimes I'm, I'm hearing uh, some teaching and preaching that it's about your destiny, 
It's about doing stuff for God so your life is better and you're more healthy. That, that has nothing to do with the Bible. This is all about God. It's all about being on His purposes and serving His heart and His mind, even if it doesn't go well. Even when things get difficult, there are people right now, there may be even you, that are serving God at a cost. And that cost is not lost on God because we live coram Deo in the face of God. I brought a picture with me today, and uh, it's a crazy picture. I want you to take a look. It's a, it's a $5 bill because on the $5 bill, there's a picture of the Lincoln Memorial. And this, this guy took this picture, and he folded the, the, the dollar bill in half, and he held it up to the, to the uh, Lincoln Memorial. And I love this picture because talk about picture in picture. This is our life. That Lincoln Memorial is like the Bema Seat of Christ. That's the reality. That's You can go over and touch the cement, the stone. But when you look at that dollar bill, it's just a picture. It's, a, it's, a, it is, it's not the real thing. It's just a, a, a facsimile, we would say, of the real thing. This life that we live is a facsimile of the real thing. So we close with this challenge from the championing voice of God. He says, teach us uh, to, to number our days. And this is Moses praying, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's my prayer for you today. My prayer for you today is that you will allow things in your life, like my friend who, who passed this week, you allow those things in your life that are, they're painful. There's no doubt they're painful. But God uses these things to remind us that how temporary this life is. I pray that God will not only use the things in your life, but the Word of God. That if you will allow the Word of God to, to be your champion, but sometimes to be your wake-up call. I would be irresponsible as a teacher of the Word of God not to, to, to deliver wake-up calls from time to time. Why? Because it makes me feel good? Well, maybe it does, but of course not. It is to understand that our life is a shadow, and the real life, the big picture, is the picture to come. And God is behind you saying, run the race with everything that you have. Sacrifice. Serve Christ with a cost. Serve Christ with a cost because it will matter in eternity. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the ways that you remind us that life is short. Sometimes these ways are painful ways, God. Sometimes these ways are glorious ways. We look at the beach, we look at a sunset, and and there's just something that comes over us to say, man, this is, if this is so beautiful here, how beautiful will it be when we are there? And today, God, I recognize fully this is a, this is a sobering message, but God, it's, it is an exciting message. It is a message that, that says that what we do here, how we spend, how we think, how we share our resources, how we share our time, how on point we are here is going to be exponentially multiplied in the next life. God, I pray today 
that the sobering things and the, and the encouraging things will cause those who hear and listen to your word today to run faster and to run harder and recognize that each of our clocks, our game clocks, right now as we're, as we're here in this moment, there is a countdown. And when we stand before Jesus at this Bema seat, the tape will play and there's no other chance to re replay the game. So Father, I pray, God, for the, the, the sense of excitement to, to be renewed. I pray for the sense of soberness if necessary. Finally, God, I pray very seriously. We pray together. In fact, I'm calling on you to pray right now in your home. If you are a Christ follower, we want to pray for those who are coming to you, God. They're searching out to you in the most serious, serious message. That if you come before God and you are not covered by the sacrifice and the blood of Christ, then God cannot allow you to spend eternity with him. That's awful bad news. And it would be horrible news if it landed right there. But you see, God has made a way. God has made a way through Christ knowing that you or I could not make it. So if you're listening today, watching today, I want you to know something. Christ has made a way for you to know him. Christ has made a way for you to be saved. Christ has made a way to heaven for you, and it's not resting on your good behavior. It only rests on what Christ does and your response to what Christ has already done. He's calling you now to come to the cross of Jesus and to ask him for complete forgiveness to be covered by the blood and the sacrifice of Christ, for him to see you as holy, not because of your behavior, but because of Christ's sacrifice. That may be complicated for you right now, but let me make it simple. Would you say to God right now in this moment of prayer, don't pass it by. If God is calling you, don't pass it by. Would you say to God, from your heart to his, Honest, heart to heart. God, I'm a sinner. I know that. I'm imperfect. And all this talk of heaven today, I want to be there. I want to serve with you. So I'm coming to you very simply and saying, it's not my good behavior that will get me into heaven and, and spend eternity with you, God. I confess right now, not only am I a sinner, but I need a Savior, and that's Jesus. I accept him. I embrace him. I give you my life. I turn my life around. I give you my whole life. I'm committed, God, to live my life from this point forward, to live for Jesus. Maybe that's the prayer of your heart. It is the most important conversation you'll ever have in your life. And we're praying for you because every Christ follower in the, in the sound of my voice has come to the same intersection. It's a must. It's not an option. It's a must. Father, thank you for bringing the word of God to us in a sober way. 
pray, God, for each of us that we will be fueled by the, by the power of your word and the power of the spirit of God today. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, what a powerful message. I, I just see the beam of seed of Christ is so important. So thank you for listening, opening up your mind and heart. Hey, if you have any questions about this or anything else, I want to remind you that we're here. Info at the360church.com. You can email us. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got some struggles. You just need someone to talk to. Maybe you just need to, to you're at the end of this lockdown and maybe the end of yourself. You need somebody to pray, pray with uh, you or pray for you. Uh, we're here for you. And I want to remind you of that. I can't wait to see you soon. Uh, I, I, I feel like the, the more time passes, the deeper the, 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 the desire, the longing is to see each other. So hang in there. Uh, trust in God. God has got this. We're following him. He is aware of all things. So God bless you guys, and hopefully we'll see you soon.